Hello, CFL fans and degenerate gamblers. Welcome back to Third Down Gamble, the CFL betting podcast. I'm your host, Kyle McMahon, here to talk all things CFL as it pertains to the world of sports gambling. It's been almost two years since we were able to lay our hard-earned money down on a Canadian football game, and I'm sure you're all just as excited as I am to finally get some action down on those point spreads, money lines, over-unders, and futures bets. If you're new to the show or you listened in the past but just plain don't remember since it was so long ago since we last did this, I'm going to break down each and every CFL game on a weekly basis and hopefully find some good opportunities for all of us to make some beer money while watching the sport we love. On today's show, I'll be doing a season preview where I look at the over-under for seasonal win totals on all nine teams, uh, maybe dabble in some prop bets as well. The old Twitter account and website is not something I'm currently managing, uh, but if you would like to get in touch, fire me off an email to cflbettingpodcast at gmail.com. Questions, comments, complaints, all are welcome. All right, without further ado, uh, let's dive into this thing. As I said, it's been two years since we've seen any of these guys in action, so there's really no telling what a lot of these returning players are going to look like until we see them out on the field. Tons of turnover, both in terms of on-field personnel and the coaching staff, so anything is possible, even more than it uh, usually is in this league. Going into a a fresh season full of question marks, but I do believe the overall uncertainty could lend itself to finding some good opportunities in the betting markets early on. All right, we'll start out west where the defending Grey Cup champion Winnipeg Blue Bombers, uh, we'll give them the honours here. Uh, They come in listed at uh, eight or eight and a half wins at most books, uh, remembering there's only going to be 14 games in this season. And it looks looks like about plus 500 on average for a Grey Cup championship. So let's uh, let's break down Winnipeg here. Um, this team has quite a few returning pieces compared to most other teams, so they're they're in good position just by virtue of that. Uh, looking at things on a position by position basis on defense, the the secondary uh, it looks a little questionable to me, but they, this is an experienced unit. Uh, I think they'll probably be able to hold their heads above water. Uh, linebacker position, yeah, you still got guys like Adam Big Hill there, uh, maybe getting a little long in the tooth, but familiarity and, and leadership uh, early on in a season like this is is going to be important. And, and Winnipeg is loaded on the the D line still. Uh, you know, 2019 outstanding defensive player Willie Jefferson uh, anchors that D line, and uh, don't sleep on any of those other guys either. This is this is one of the scariest defensive lines in the league, and uh, they'll be able to make uh, an otherwise probably a pretty average-looking unit behind them uh, look pretty good if if they they perform anywhere near the level they were at in 2019. So I'm expecting a, a solid, if unspectacular, defense in, in Winnipeg uh, as things stand right now. Offensive side of the ball, uh, strong offensive line and running game. That's always been Winnipeg's bread and butter under Mike O'Shea. They do have lots of options at receiver as well. Um, the big elephant in the room on, on offense is going to be Zach Caleros and, and whether or not he can stay healthy. Uh, you know, Of course, the guy led them to the, the Grey Cup when we, we last saw him on the field, but uh, staying on the field is, is something that he just hasn't been able to do throughout his career. Uh, and Winnipeg doesn't have Chris Streveler uh, backing him up anymore to provide that security blanket. Uh, looks like Sean McGuire would probably be be getting the ball in a situation where Caleros can't go. 
Uh, and he's a, you know, an inexperienced backup to say the least right now. So uh, overall, I would say if, if Winnipeg stays healthy, they should probably exceed this number. I, I would say nine and five is, is probably where, where you'd expect to find them. But with, uh, you know, Andrew Harris is already, you know, banged up and questionable to play in week one. And with the, the concerns about whether Caleros can, can make it through a whole season in one piece would, uh, would scare me off uh, an over on this number a little bit. I, I think there's, there's, probably better value to be found elsewhere um going over eight uh, minus 115 i see listed uh, not not a bad play but uh you know one I, I would say probably doesn't have a ton of value eight 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 and a half seems like a pretty good number for for these guys moving across the prairie to saskatchewan we find the rough riders listed at seven and a half or eight wins is there over under total at most books uh, approximately plus 550 to win the gray cup uh evaluating the defense first here i i would say they have talent at all positions um the performance of some returning veterans uh, is going to be key here Micah Johnson's 33, Ed Ganey's 31, uh, Dion Lacey's 31, Mike Edom's 32. Uh, so some of these guys are on the wrong side of 30 here and haven't played in a couple of years. So uh, while they're they're still big names for the moment, uh, it remains to be seen if uh, if they still have the the talent to live up to their billings here. Um, I'm going to take a bit of a wait and see approach with this defense because of that. Uh, they, they could well be great. I mean, if, if these guys kept themselves in, in tip top shape and, uh, and haven't lost a step, uh, this should be one of the better defenses in the league. Uh, but if, if age has started to catch up with some of these guys, uh, I think defense could potentially turn into a sore spot for Saskatchewan, uh, especially if injuries hit as they're, not overly deep, uh, really outside of the secondary uh, linebacker in the defensive line. Uh, any any key injuries there could could really hurt this team. Uh, you know, until we see what the what the new recruits could do. Um, but I would say where Saskatchewan took the biggest hit since we last saw them on a football field was definitely on the offensive line. It was probably the deepest in the league in 2019, and I would say it's a big question mark right now with with how many departures they have had from that unit. Uh, so, you know, the question now is, can Cody Fajardo repeat the success he had uh, with the weight of expectations and an, an offensive line that uh, doesn't project to be, be nearly as strong, giving him the same protection as, as he enjoyed in 2019? Um, you know, it's certainly a quarterback I believe in. I believe he's, he's a legitimate starter in this league, but, you know, it's easy to forget that uh, it was only his first season as a starter uh, last time out. Uh, and you know, an off season with the uh, with expectations now you now coming in. Uh, you know, we'll we'll see how he responds to that pressure. Uh, William Powell looks like he's probably going to be the starting running back there again. Uh, another guy that's uh, you know getting up there in age, thirty three is is old for a running back, uh, particularly a a power back like like Powell. Um, so we'll see what's left in the tank here. Uh, Saskatchewan's offense was hindered. I believe by offensive coordinator Steve McAdoo uh, with some pretty questionable play calling uh, last season. Uh, Jason Moss has been brought in to handle play calling duties for the offense. Uh, I think that probably will be an upgrade over McAdoo. Receiving core has some good Canadian depth as it often does in Saskatchewan. Um, so overall, I, th I think this is 
you know, probably be about an average offense. I, I think if I had to project it right now, depending on Fajardo, he could he could very well come in and take the next step and, and light it up. Um, but with the concerns on the offensive line, uh, I do think Saskatchewan could potentially be a, be a mild disappointment this season. Um, I would say, uh, you know, seven and seven, which probably wouldn't sit overly well with their fans, uh, might, might be where I could see them finishing this year. Uh, we're seeing under eight at uh, plus money at, at one book. Um, I think the team is uh, that's it's probably probably going to finish with seven or eight wins here, and I, I think seven is more likely than nine. So if you you could take them uh, under eight wins at, at plus money, that is a bet I would probably make on Saskatchewan. Continuing west into Alberta, we have the Calgary Stampeders. This team is being listed at plus 550 to win the Grey Cup, and their win total sits at either a, a juiced 7 or a, a flat 7.5. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, this secondary projects pretty well. I think uh, they added Richard Leonard uh, from Hamilton. Uh, that's a guy who's, who's strong on the corner and can help out in uh, on special teams as well, so, so that's a pretty good signing for them. Uh, the defensive line has definitely lost some, some punch, but... We'll see what former depth guys can do in expanded roles. Uh, Calgary seems to be a, a franchise where where next man up uh, just seems to apply year after year. Um, no matter how many injuries this team suffers, they they always seem to come up with a capable replacement. So uh, I think this defensive line is probably going to be pretty decent, even if uh, the names are, are not yet recognizable. Uh, probably going to have some Canadian content at the linebacker position. This could be an area of weakness. Um, Corey Greenwood was a, a revelation for them two years ago. Uh, you know, a guy who spent most of his career really as a special teams guy, and he was he was a force in the middle of the field for them last year. Uh, at age 36, we'll, we'll see if that was just kind of a, a renaissance season he had, or if uh, if he's able to to fight off Father Time here and, and produce similar results. Um, overall, though, uh, it's I mean, when was the last time we could say defense was a, a real weakness in Calgary? I, I can't even remember. So. Until shown otherwise, you have to assume the defense is at least going to be decent. Uh, over on offense, obviously, you've got Bo Levi Mitchell uh, gives you a franchise quarterback. That's that's where it all starts, and uh, his his offensive line looks pretty capable to me. Um, Calgary's scheming always seems to get the best out of uh, whoever they throw out there onto the the offensive line, as they they do seem to have a fair amount of turnover at that position year over year, but uh, they've. They've always uh, always come to the table uh, solid and, and given Bo good protection. Um, as far as the running game goes, uh, I'm excited to see what Kadeem Carey can do in a full season. Uh, he looked good in a pretty small sample in 2019. He got hurt pretty early on, but uh, he looks to be the guy this year, and I expect him to get the bulk of the carries. And there's been lots of talk in Calgary about their departed receivers, yeah, Eric Rogers, Reggie Bagleton, those guys have, have moved on, but receiver in general is probably the easiest position in the CFL to replace. And I, I think Calgary's got, got the depth there. Uh, there's, there's again, some, you had some Canadian guys that uh, were starting to get reps towards the end of two, 2019 when the, the injury bug really hit them hard. And uh, I think they'll probably be all right with, with Bo Levi slinging the ball to them. Uh, this is this is probably the the win total I, I liked the most. Um, good on anyone who jumped on over seven wins uh, when that was at, at minus fifteen, uh, minus one fifteen a few weeks ago. 
I think that's uh, that's a great bet. Is uh, I mean, the only way you're going to lose that is if Calgary has an outright losing season, which. Uh, Boy, I, I don't even remember the last time Calgary had a losing season. Uh, this is this has been bet pretty heavily. It's uh, yeah, looking at like it's about minus one thirty now, um, seven and a half in some places. I I don't mind the the over seven and a half, but uh, I'd, I'd even uh, I juiced juiced my seven wins. I, I would definitely consider laying a wager on that. Uh, I'll, I'll bet on John Huffnagel to recruit talent and Dave Dickinson to coach them up and, until they fail, which uh, they they have not done yet. So I'll, uh, I've got no problem laying Calgary uh, over seven wins uh, in this case. We'll head on up the highway to Edmonton, where the newly minted Elks will be making their CFL debut. They come in listed at about plus 1,000 to win the Grey Cup, and the win totals vary uh, between five and six. Uh, all of those numbers, particularly the five, uh, heavily juiced towards the over the defensive line is probably going to be the strength uh, of this team, certainly on that side of the ball. Kwaku Botang and Matthew Betts are going to be two starters on that line that will fill two Canadian positions. Uh, that's going to help them out ratio-wise. But uh, things are less certain as we move back into the linebacker and secondary positions. Fonte Diggs was a surprising cut. He, he was a rookie in 2019 and then looked pretty good. For most of the season and new coach jamie elizondo does seem pretty confident in the new blood that brock sunderland has brought in to fill this position so this is this is an area to keep an eye on you don't cut a guy like like Diggs if you're not uh, fairly certain that, that you've got something uh, up and coming so it'll be interesting to see how, how this group does in the early season the secondary to me does project to be a weakness Edmonton brought in a lot of guys from Toronto's bad secondary. Uh, those guys have been bad for, for a couple of years, and I'm not sure how, how much they're really going to help here. Aaron Grimes is still a recognizable name. Not particularly old, but he really hasn't looked like the player he was before he went and tried out for the NFL a few years back. The wild card back here would be Jonathan Mincy, a talented defensive back who spent some time in the NFL didn't see a lot of reps down there so he, he just hasn't played a lot of football the last few years so we'll we'll see what he's got uh Jonathan Rowe is probably the well one guy in the secondary that we pretty much know what we're we're going to get he he was a solid contributor in, in Ottawa and it was a nice pickup for Edmonton here uh overall it's it's hard to know how good this D is going to be and until we see these linebackers on the field so this is a this is a bit up in the air to me uh, the offense, I, I think we're we're going to get some pretty explosive results out of the passing game with Trevor Harris throwing to Darrell Walker and, and Greg Ellingson. Run game, I'm uh, less confident in. Uh, I think James Wilder Jr. is a pretty big gamble. This guy hasn't really looked good for for about three years now because he was he was terrible for Toronto in 2019. Admittedly, that wasn't the greatest situation to be in. A lot of guys struggled in Toronto, and a fresh start might might do him good. But uh, remember, this was a guy that I believe he signed with Montreal before the you know twenty twenty season was canceled, and ended up uh, retiring. And then then Edmonton brought him back out of retirement. You know how serious these these retirements are, you never quite know. But I, I think uh, Wilder Junior is, is a bit of a gamble here. Uh, I think probably this team should have some early season success throwing the ball, certainly. They might slow down as the weather gets colder, though. you got to remember this season's going to run uh, well into December this year. So uh, 
teams that look good in, in August and September airing it out could be in potentially for a rude awakening in, in November and December. I think the offensive strength should be enough to win, win them games early on and then they'll hit six or seven wins. I would say the value is probably gone from these numbers at, at this point in time. Over six at minus 130 is, uh, that one's iffy to me. As I, I see this team probably finishing with six or seven wins. Um, and then the value has just simply been bet out of the, the five numbers. So probably not a great opportunity on the Elks at this point in time. All right, we'll finish off our trip around the West with the BC Lions here, plus a thousand to lift the Grey Cup in December. Win total sitting at five, five and a half in some places, juiced to the under. Looking at the defensive side of the ball here, the secondary is definitely the strongest part of this defense. Uh, Marcus Sales was a big acquisition. They they brought him in in free agency from from Winnipeg, and, and overall, this is a a solid group that should force a lot of turnovers. And they're going to need to do that because the, the front seven, there are a lot more question marks here. You, you really do need pressure from your defensive line uh, to stop the pass right now in this league. BC did bring in some some behemoths, uh, some new recruits, but one or two of those guys is really going to need to step up and, and be an impact player because of the, the veterans they have. And there are some decent veterans here, but none really strike fear in, into anybody on paper at least, and the linebacking core, we're going to have some Canadian content in there, and, you know, some solid players, no one overly notable. Uh, I, I think overall the, the secondary will force enough turnovers that the, this defense is going to be okay at least, but uh, run stopping will will be a concern as it was in 2019, uh, unless these guys demonstrate uh, that that's not going to be a concern. Offensively, the offensive line was a big problem for BC in the first half of 2019, but they did start to improve uh, considerably towards the end of that season. I, I think they're going to be okay, actually, this year. Mike Riley's a, he's a gamer. He's going to give your offense a chance every time he's on the field. And he's got some upgrades at receiver here to work with. Lucky Whitehead was brought in from Winnipeg. Dominic Rimes comes over from Ottawa. These guys will be a nice compliment to Brian Burnham, who's one of the best in the business. Uh, as far as running back goes, uh, I think there's some pretty solid depth here. Uh, perhaps no no true game breakers uh, but between Chris Rainey, Jamel Lyles, and Shaq Cooper, who came over from Edmonton. These guys uh, should provide some decent production out of, out of the position, which is not something BC was getting a whole lot of uh, out of John White for the better part of the 2019 season. I think there's going to be a decent bounce back for the Lions this year under new head coach Rick Campbell. Uh, I, I thought personally Devon Claybrooks, the outgoing coach, probably deserved another year. But CFL being what it is, you don't often get a, a real long rope in with some of these organizations. Uh, I, I think the, the front seven on defense is definitely suspect and is cause for concern. But uh, just five wins here for a, an overplay, uh, I think that's pretty easily attainable for this BC team. Um, you'd, you'd have to go four and 10 to outright lose that bet. Uh, so whereas I, I actually have this team pegged as a, a solid playoff team. I think they're probably one of the surprises of the season. Uh, so I th over, over five wins at minus 130, I, I think is a pretty good play with the team from the wet coast. Shifting our focus to the Eastern Division, we'll start off in Steeltown with the Hamilton Tiger Cats, who will be hosting 
the 2021 Grey Cup at Tim Hortons Field, and they would dearly like to be participating in it. They are the odds-on favorite to capture their first Grey Cup of the 21st century, checking in at plus 300 to lift the trophy. And with good reason, as they bring back a good chunk of the team that went 15-3 and in 2019. Their win total is set at 9.5. Not seeing too much action on this one. It has stayed flat at 9.5 for several weeks now. Jeremiah Masoli is going to start a quarterback. That was the big question coming into camp, whether it would be him or Dane Evans. Having Evans as a backup gives Hamilton a one-two punch a quarterback that nobody else in the CFL can boast. And with injuries to quarterbacks so common nowadays, this isn't something that should be overlooked. Hamilton is also loaded at running back, in my estimation. Uh, free agent acquisition Don Jackson and Sean Thomas Erlington, who looked good in an injury short in 2019 season, both provide good options, and Canadian Malik Irons could also see the ball in this offense as well. And at receiver between Brandon Banks and Braylon Addison, who did leave after 2019 to pursue an NFL opportunity, but signed with back with Hamilton a few months ago. You've got two very dynamic weapons in those guys, and they even brought in veteran receiver Devere Posey as well. So this team should have no trouble scoring points whatsoever. The other side of the ball, probably not quite as strong, but by no means would I call it a weakness. Siante Evans will replace Richard Leonard in what appears to be a pretty solid secondary. You've got Jagarrett Davis up front. He'll anchor the defensive line. They've got plenty of depth there. Uh, I guess the only concern maybe is a linebacker. That seems to be a bit of a theme with, with all these teams that we've previewed so far. Uh, they do look a little thin after Simone Lawrence, but in Lawrence, you've got one of the premier tacklers in the game and a guy who can control the middle of the field if he's disciplined enough to actually remain on it. At nine and a half wins, this, this is a tough one for me. I, I wouldn't go under, as I, I do believe Hamilton projects to be the top team in the CFL, at least as things look on paper right now. I think there's maybe just a little bit too much of an unknown factor overall, though, coming into this season to bet on a team to win 10 out of 14 games. That's no small feat, even for a great-looking roster. So while I think Hamilton probably does win about 10 games this year, I, I will be sitting that one out. I don't see a whole lot of value on that number. Remaining in the province of Ontario, we will have a look at the Toronto Argonauts now. Their win total coming in at six and a half. Seeing a little bit of money on the over, but this has been mostly flat. Still sitting about 115 either side of that number of most books. Plus 850 is your number for a Grey Cup championship. No team will look more different from 2019 than the Argos, who overhauled their entire roster and brought in Brian Dinwiddie as new head coach. One of the few returning players they do have from 2019, though, will be quarterback McLeod Bethel-Thompson. And we're still not quite sure who's going to be starting yet for Toronto. It sounds like Nick Arbuckle, who was brought in from Calgary, might have a bit of an injury that, that he's nursing. Um, Toronto also brought in Antonio Pipkin, who spent time in Montreal and that look, at least looks serviceable. So I, I'd, I'd say this is still up in the air, though I'd lean towards Bethel Thompson getting the start for week one. Whoever it is will have a decent crew of receivers to throw to this year. Uh, Juwan Breskison and Eric Rogers both brought in from Calgary to shore things up in that area. Uh, the running back position, you've got the veteran John White. 
he's a good blocking back. He'll be a solid veteran presence in the the backfield. But I think what's going to be most important for Toronto is the the upgrades they made on the offensive line, both of which came at the expense of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, as they brought in Philip Blake and Darius Bladdock. Uh, those those guys were both horses for Saskatchewan in 2019, and I think they should give give Toronto a very good offensive line uh, if everybody stays healthy. That 2019 defense was absolutely abysmal, so Toronto's solution to that was to simply sign a new one, and that that is pretty much literally what they did. Uh, I really like a lot of these moves. Charleston Hughes, Cordero Law, Drake Nevis, uh, those three beasts have been brought in on the defensive line. Uh, They also brought in Coney Ely. This guy was a first-round NFL draft pick not too long ago. So I think Toronto is really going to be able to create a lot of havoc in the down in the trenches on that side of the ball. Linebacking core looks pretty solid. Dexter McCoyle's there now. He's he's got some experience. Uh, two Canadians, Sinok Muamba, and another guy pilfered from the Riders and Cam Judge. Give you a lot of a lot of pop there, uh, tackling guys in the box. And don't forget about Bear Woods too. He actually looked pretty good for them towards the end of. The 2019 season, one of the few bright spots on that defense. Secondary is maybe a bit more of a question mark, but given how bad they were in the previous season, if these guys can merely be below average to okay, that will be a big step forward for that group. This many changes over the course of two off seasons, it's hard to say exactly what we're getting with the Argos. But I think there's just too much talent added to this roster to, to finish much worse than 500 here, as long as the quarterback play is competent. Schedule maker didn't do them a ton of favors, as they, they do have Hamilton four times on the schedule in this, this quirky uh, shortened season schedule that kind of has everybody playing a slightly different schedule, even, even within their own divisions, which is a bit strange, but... Uh, you know, that's probably really the only thing that would give me a bit of pause to going over six and a half is having to play Hamilton four times. But I, I do think if whoever is under center can can merely take care of the ball, this team does have the talent to hit seven wins. So I did dabble a little bit on this over. Last in Ontario and, uh, well, unfortunately, almost certainly least, uh, we, we've got the Ottawa Red Blacks. Uh, Team that is has kind of fallen on hard times here after they they had such a great first few seasons in the CFL as a the re- rebooted Ottawa franchise appearing in three Grey Cups and winning one of them. Uh, Paul Lapalise getting his second shot at a head coaching job here. Uh, he's really got his work cut out for him though. This this team's listed at three and a half wins uh, on the season as they're over under uh, we're seeing a four on the board juice to the under and they are the long shot this year to win the gray cup at plus 1800 veteran quarterback in Matt Nichols might be able to stabilize things uh, but he might also be running for his life there's a lot of unknowns on on this offensive line that wasn't particularly strong last year and then really doesn't have a whole lot of household names the running game looks pretty undermanned to me with Brendan Glanders and Tim Flanders, which kind of sounds fun to say, but these guys have largely been backups over the course of their career, and so I'm, I'm not really really sure uh, what Ottawa is expecting out of these guys. It's surprising to me that, that nobody else in, in camp was able to make a push for, for this job as of yet. Um, Dominic Davis will be presumptively be Matt Nichols' backup. I, I think he probably does get another shot at some point here. Uh, 
I'm not sure with, with Nichols' health problems, if he survives a, a full year playing behind that offensive line with those running backs. Uh, receiver, well, the only guy I'd say really to keep an eye on here would be Devontae Dedman, who's mostly a special teams guy. He was explosive in the return game before he got hurt in, in 2019. He's seen a little bit of time at receiver. We'll see if he can have, have some sort of a breakout. But other other than him and R.J. Harris, it's pretty slim pickings at, at this position. Defense, not quite as bleak, but they will be on a f- the field a lot if the offense uh, plays as we, we predict they will. Secondary is pretty experienced here. That's probably the strongest part of this defense. Don Unamba was a big get from Edmonton. He's a pretty dynamic player that can slide up into the linebacker position as needed. Avery Ellis and Cleon Lang, those are a couple of solid defensive linemen, although yeah, those guys are still a step down in my estimation from the division rivals in Toronto and, and Hamilton that they'll be playing. No real recognizable names in the linebacking core either, so it's I can see this being another long year in, in Ottawa unless there's some real surprises or some real bounce-back years from, from some of these personnel. This is a team that went 3-15 and 15 in 2019, and I'm, I'm just not confident that they've actually done anything really at all to improve this roster, beyond Matt Nichols probably being better than what they had a quarterback previously. I did seriously consider going under three and a half as you could get that number at, at plus money. Um, and I did pull the trigger when uh, an under four showed up on the board, even juiced to minus 130. I would be shocked if this team won five games, which is what, what would have to happen to, to outright lose the, an under four bet. And uh, I expect that unfortunately Ottawa is, is going to be a bit of a punching bag again, uh, you know, hopefully for, their sake, they they prove me wrong here and are, are a little bit more competitive, or just uh, just not so competitive that they they win five games. Let's just say that. There's a reason for hope in Ottawa this year. Uh, they can look to the Montreal Alouettes for inspiration. The Alouettes, of course, were in a pretty similar situation in 2019, expected by pretty much everybody to bring up the rear, and they surprised us all with a strong second place showing, ten and eight record. The Alouettes come into this season sitting around plus 900 to win the Grey Cup, and we're seeing six and six and a half for their win totals. Uh, Both those numbers are available right now. Vernon Adams is going to get the ball for them under center. He's looking to build on a big breakout season. Uh, Got Matthew Schiltz behind him. He's showing himself to be a capable backup, I would say, should Adams falter or get injured. Playing behind a, a solid, uh, if unspectacular, offensive line that has a decent amount of depth should should help. Um, the running game here is anchored by William Stanback, and this guy might be the best peer running back in the CFL by the time it's all said and done this year. Uh, also intrigued a little by Cameron Artis Payne. He was uh, had a pretty good career at Auburn a few years ago and he's washed out of the NFL now and trying his hand up here so we'll we'll see what he can do I'm sure he'll get some touches back there Montreal returns most of the same receiver group these guys were pretty good in 2019 and I, I think they'll get the job done here as well lots of options in the secondary moving over to the other side of the ball Taekwon Glass and Money Hunter were both brought in from Edmonton uh, it was particularly surprised that Edmonton let Glass get away. He had a pretty promising rookie season for them in 2019. 
Also taken from Edmonton were Nick Usher, a defensive end and all-star defensive tackle, Almondo Sewell. So this has the makings of a pretty solid defensive line to my eye. Sewell's getting a little bit older, but I think he's probably still got, got enough left in the tank here. Uh, Linebacker is the only real question mark, although honestly, I think we've said that for, for about five or six other teams by now. Obviously, some of these rookies are, are going to have an impact, so we'll just have to wait and see them on the field uh, before we know exactly how good this Montreal linebacking core is going to be. But I think overall, this is a, a pretty well-balanced roster. Uh, you know, Probably not one that I, I'd expect to win a great cup, but I, I think this is a team that should certainly compete for a playoff spot again. They're probably going to have their over-under decided by whether Adams can replicate his play from 2019 or not. I think six and a half is is the right number here, uh, though it, it should be pointed out Montreal gets to play Ottawa four times, and, and that will be a factor. If, if Ottawa's is as bad as I suspect they're going to be, that, that could be three or four wins right there for Montreal. So that fact alone uh, keeps me off the under here. And if, you know, if you're somebody that thinks Adams is going to pick up where he left off, uh, seven or eight wins is definitely attainable for this Montreal roster. That brings us to the end of our team previews. I didn't talk a whole lot about Grey Cup futures in those roundups, and as of this moment, I haven't made any wagers yet on any of the clubs to win the championship at the current odds. I do think Hamilton is the best position team to win it all heading into this season, but plus 300 is just a little short for my liking. If the Cats go on to win the East, that number will have value come playoff time, especially with the big game being played in the Hammer this year, but not enough value that I'd want to ride it all season and hope that everything goes according to plan in in such a unique season. Overall, the odds being offered right now across the board really aren't great in my estimation. Calgary at plus 550 is an out of the question. That would certainly have value in late November if the Stamps were to win the West, but uh, that's just a little too big of a what-if for me. Player prop futures-wise, Trevor Harris to lead the league in passing yards at plus 600 is one I dabbled in. Edmonton should be a pass-happy offense. Two big-time receivers there who can rack up the yardage. And head coach Jamie Elizondo is, of course, highly familiar with Harris from their time together in Ottawa. So I I expect that offense to be running quite smoothly. Somewhat of a correlated play. You can get Darrell Walker to lead the league in receiving yards at at plus 1,200. That might be worth a look. The MOP market doesn't have any value picks at all to my eye. Uh, just really low odds, I would say, on, on most of these quarterbacks that are listed. Um, even on the defensive side of the ball as well. Just, just not a lot of value in, in taking somebody at you know plus 200 to win a major award. For rushing leader, Kadeem Carey does intrigue me a little at plus 600. Not quite enough that I'd pull the trigger on that. Outstanding Canadian, most of the listed odds look flat out bad in this market. Some some of them absolutely ridiculous. Uh, one that did catch my eye, though, was Kwaku Boateng, plus 1,600 at one book for Outstanding Canadian. This could be a guy that gets his name in the conversation if things break right. He's had 17 sacks combined the last two seasons. If he gets himself into double digits this year and kind of becomes the face of an Edmonton front seven that lost a few pieces, uh, this this one might be worth a sprinkle, I think. 
All right. Well, that'll do it for the season preview. As of late Monday night, we still don't have any game lines available yet for the week one games, which kick off Thursday. If those get dropped in the next day or so, I will try to throw together a quick episode previewing those. So until then, thanks for listening, folks. We will chat again soon. Now let's go enjoy some football and make sure you get those bets in.